You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, good morning. My name's Ryan. For those of you that are new to the church, so glad that you're here. Or if you're visiting with us, we're so glad you decided to be with us today. Hey, my wife and I were um, kind of walking through kind of the New Year's resolutions, and we each year we try to set aside some time just to create goals. And one of those goals is the area of our, our marriage and our relationships. And what we did in 2019 is we set aside a one day of the week where we'd focus on kind of a date night. And uh, so... Uh, you know, it's important to have built-in scheduled time so you can really focus on uh, things that matter the most. And so for my wife and I, date night's a big deal. I get the opportunity to discuss and see how we're doing. There's a point system in the relationships that you guys, if you don't know this or not, but you always ask the question, where are we on a scale of one to 10? And you always think you're going to do really good. And then you find out what she says and you're like, oh, I didn't know we were there. So uh, date nights help with that. So I want to encourage you to be a part of this. Uh, You can sign online. Uh, There's a limited amount of resources and seats. So my encouragement is do it today because once it fills up, it's going to be filled up. Um, So do that. We'd love for you to be a part of that. We we care and cherish the marriage and the relationships, but it's for singles as well. I read the the, uh, chapter of the book that that the material is coming out of about relationships just this morning to refresh my mind. It's awesome material. Uh, So you don't want to miss that opportunity. Um, Last but not least, before we get started this morning, Um, Next week, I'm starting a a 12-week series uh, through the uh, epistle of of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, and that'll lead us straight into the, uh, the Easter season. And uh, so it's a 12-week series. We're excited about that. That's going to be kicking off. And um, uh, bring five bucks with you, if you will, if you want to grab, grab one of those journals. The English Standard Version has this printed little version of a journal that you can write in uh, through the series and really be blessed with holding Ephesians in a letter kind of feel format and be able to journal your way through this series. So our hope is, is that you journal and that you reflect on biblical truths in this 12-week series and more and more people fall in love, not simply with the scriptures, but with the Savior in the scriptures. And so uh, that's kicking off next week, and we're real excited about that. And then if you want to, tonight, uh, my wife and I are going to be a part of the growth track. We teach that thing. Love for you to come out. Love to connect with you guys. Uh, We'll have a meal and child care is provided and all that. Well, before we move any further, I want to welcome a special guest, a friend of mine, Brad St. Louis. Will you guys give Brad a huge round of applause? Awesome. Yes, sir. Well, so glad you're a part, Brad, and you've got some friends here that have traveled yeah. to come see you and all that, so why don't we just start with your family? Uh, uh, I think, tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, so my uh, wife, Michelle, is here. We've been, uh, let's see, married 19 years this February, and we have uh, four we kids. We should celebrate that. <laughs> Anybody that makes it 19 years, that's a big deal. Yeah, we have uh, four kids. We have uh, boys 16 and 14. And girls six and three. There you go. So, yeah. Busy family. Yeah, there you go. That's right. And your son, your sons were wrestling just yesterday, 
And I think they did pretty good, huh? Yeah, they big, both had tournaments, so it took third and second. Okay. Them. So you and I, we, uh, Brad and I met down in Mexico. My wife and I, or my kids and I, actually, my wife came first, and we did a big family trip down there, Mexico mission trip with an army of you guys, which was awesome. And then we came back, and I, we met down there. And uh, hearing your story was incredible. And then how I had no idea that you had played with the NFL. So let's just jump into how God saved you, but maybe give the backstory first, kind of from your early childhood, junior high, high school and all that. So I'll let you just start. Yeah, man. So, you know, growing up, I grew up in uh, Belton, Missouri. So a town's about 20 miles south of Kansas City. And the smaller the town, you kind of say Missouri. Missouri. Uh, Missouri. Yeah. So, um, Grew up in Belt, Missouri. We have, uh, you know, it was, it was a, I grew up in a loving home. Um, you know, I have, uh, I was a baby in the family, and so I have an older sister who's three years older than me, and then I had two older half-brothers. My, my dad was married briefly before he married my mom, and so my brother Steve lived with us. He was about 12 years older than me, um, and my brother David went and moved in Indianapolis, but my brother used to just beat on me all the time, so he was... He was a Missouri, two-time Missouri state champion wrestler, and so I think he was one that maybe got me tough. So I don't know. I'd, I would, uh, he would beat on me, and then I'd go crying to my mom, and then I'd go back. And This is all like, preparation for yeah, the NFL. So. God's sovereign she, plan. She Get couldn't understand why I kept going back after I'd cry. I don't know. But no, it was, it was a loving home. Um, my mom was an elementary school teacher, and my dad was a high school principal. And so my mom was kind of the one that was the you know, affectionate one to me. She was unconditional. Like my wife said, maybe spoiled me a little bit. Um, and my dad was the, he was kind of the stoic, mm-hmm. the stoic guy. Um, he was kind of, my idol kind of looked up to him. I wanted to spend most of my life trying to please, please him a lot of with, with my performance. And um, so he was a great dad um, without his flaws, but he was drafted uh, by the Redskins in the 13th round back when they had a bunch of rounds. And then um, he got cut by them, played from the Chiefs practice squad, and then played in Canada for a year before he wow. knee surgery. So he was kind of the... So it was a very athletic, athletic environment yeah. that you so grew up in. It was school and sports. Yeah. And, you know, these were kind of important in our house. And growing up in Missouri, it was, um, you know, if you would ask me was I was a Christian, I would probably would have said yes. Um, but if you would ask me any more questions, you know, who's Jesus or just any follow-up question probably you would have realized I had no idea who Jesus was and I really wasn't right. a Christian. But um, in my kind of like view of it, it was I'm a good person right. and I was good morally and therefore God will accept me or love me, you know. Right. Um, and so I think a lot of that was kind of my, with my sports too, it was kind of the performance, kind of the earn it background. And, um, but no, life was good. Um, you know, grew up succeeding in sports and then, um, you know, even going from elementary junior high was pretty much the same. You know, just still sports were a big part of our life. And You started playing football junior high, sixth grade. Yeah. And your dad was the coach, is that right? My, he started coaching me in my seventh grade year. Oh, okay. So sixth grade was my first year, and then dad started coaching seventh grade. And that's how I started long snapping. I was actually the uh, punter, but the punter kept, or the long snap kept snapping over my head. And so my dad was like, Brad, you go throw the ball Show back. Show him how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was a quarterback, and then that guy came back and punted, um, and I was just naturally pretty good at it. There you and go. Uh, kind of cool that that punter 
actually end up kicking in college for a little bit. And so. somewhere along the line, junior high, high school, you're, you're playing sports, you're getting better and better, your dad starts coaching you, and then you meet uh, the love of your life. When was that? <laughs> yeah, Michelle and I started dating in high school. Okay. So my sophomore year? Into my sophomore year, yeah. So I, I uh, hope you got that right. I did, yeah. Okay, I good. Um, I'm not responsible for remembering the date that I asked her to go out, though. Okay. She has it memorized. But um, no, I asked her to be my girl in high school. And so we started dating. You know, I had the, had the high school sweetheart and um, was doing well in school. Um, I was wrestling. I was playing football, playing tennis, throwing the disc and tracks. So I was busy. Really, you know, God was kind of on the back burner. Like, just really didn't ha- see a need for him or have a need for him um, in my life at the time. Um, and was just kind of doing my thing. So that goes on. And then in high school, you, you, start, uh, you start saying, okay, I'm going to go to college. In college, you're playing ball. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, and so you're was, still dating your wife. Yeah, still dating. You're, so, you're, you're, soon, you're soon to be, future wife. Yeah, and so yeah. We're, um, I get a scholarship to play football at Missouri State. So they give me a uh, full ride to play football. Um, so I go down there, and first year was probably some difficulties, you know, with some injuries, and then um, kind of I saw the first kink in my dad's armor at that yeah. time. And so this is your freshman year. Yeah, in, right in after college. my freshman year in yeah. college, um, my dad kind of brings me into his office. It was um, says, "Fell out of love with your mom, and I'm leaving for a different different woman." And so that was kind of the first. My dad was like the perfect guy, and so it was the first time really I saw something that wasn't perfect, you know. Yeah. Um, and just wrestling with it, I really wasn't sure what was going on. You know, I was, just, I was still wrestling with what does this all mean, you know, at the time. And you loved your dad. You're a family man. You're a moral kid. You're doing a good job in sports and in, in education and in the family. And then you, the person that you look up to you you start to realize, wait a second, this doesn't seem right. Yeah, I mean, because if you ask any of my my friends or people that went to school, they, I mean, they love my dad. Like he had the best work ethic, the hardest perseverance. He never lost anything. Like he, any competition, he was winning it. He's a competitor. Any type of bet, yeah. he was winning it. And then to see him not win in that area was was just really tough. Was off. Yeah. Yeah. So college continues on and then you start realizing you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go for the NFL tell us about the moment that I guess maybe what led up to that or and then kind of that where things began to crystallize formalize yeah so after my senior year they you know scouts were telling me hey you're 50 50 chance to probably get drafted or you're you're gonna at least go free agent so you're gonna get a shot somewhere um and so draft day you probably see a lot of a lot of cameras and stuff, people, but for somebody like me, there's, it was my wife, or yeah, it was Michelle and I on the couch and the, a college roommate eating Subway, you know, like. In an apartment waiting, in, yeah, in, in Missouri apartment. or where? We were down in Springfield, yeah, okay. down yeah. in Springfield. And so, um, yeah, but right before the draft, the Bengals special teams coach called me and said, hey, we're, we're going to take you right here. And so they drafted me in the fourth pick, the seventh round, number 210 overall, yeah. And does that play into some kind of statistics of like you said mentioned earlier about kind of where you placed and all that stuff with Brady or yeah yeah so there's a guy named Tom Brady picked yeah. that year too he was 
He was uh, number 199, so like 10 picks before me. So yeah, that was pretty good. Pretty close. Yeah. That was pretty neat. <laughs> and you were friends. Like, so you get onto the Bengals. You're playing. You're playing now, so now you, you, you make the team, and then now you're starting to play ball. You're, later, Carson Palmer is going to join the team. Uh, things are starting to go well, and I mean, in many ways. And, and so I think we have a picture of you uh, making a big tackle. Um, was there any Saints fans in the rooms? I'm sorry. <laughs> so show them what happened here. This is Reggie Bush. So yeah, that, this was one of my highlight tackles of career. So I heard there's a pastor that might be in New Orleans here, but we picked it out just for you. <laughs> That's right. Um, I told him, I said, make sure you rub this part in right here. So this is kind of like highlight. So things are going well. But there's, there's some things that happen in your life that begin to change and radically that you realize it's not all what you thought it was going to be. So talk about that. Yeah, so I mean, I'm in the NFL and, you know, I'm a top 32 in the world, but I do. I'm feeling pretty good, making good money, um, success. You know, really, I think my dad, for one of the first times, I can remember him telling me he's proud of me, um, which is the huge... And you never heard me. that hardly before. Man, I, yeah. I knew he was, but he just wouldn't. Did he ever, ever tell you he loved you? He wouldn't say it. I'm sure he did. It just it wasn't very often. You know, yeah. they just, just the way he, I knew he loved me, but this was kind of. So he tells you he's guy. proud yeah. of you. So you're, you're at your top of your game in many realms, and then things start kind of falling off. The yeah. wheels start falling Still off. Still no God yet. Um, my first three years, in 2004, um, the first, one of my first mainly godly examples kind of entered my life. Reggie Kelly was a tight end, and he was just a leader of our team. He was a strong dude, like he was a spiritual leader. And so to see both of those was different for me, um, and I was just watched him. And so he just talked different. He treated his wife different. You know, I never heard him say anything bad about her. It's the way he treated her, opened the door. So that he was different and set apart, and he was always pointing to God. And so he was an example. And also there was our team chaplain, Ken Moyer, um, he was, we were fortunate to have a, at our team have, he was around full, he was full-time chaplain. And so he'd be playing video games with the guys, he'd be in the locker room. And so he made a friendship with me. And so we had what I thought was an ongoing like joke of, he's going to invite me to Bible studies and chapels. And then I would just tell him, no, thanks. I'm good. Um, and so he did that for eight years. And, and you thought me. things were all good, right? And so in your world, everything was good. And then you have a conversation with your wife and a couple incidents happened in your life. Why don't you share about yeah. that? And so July 15th, 2008, um, kind of my idol, the rock, my dad dies in a bicycle accident um, down in, down, actually in Sun Lakes here. Um, he was living, retired out here. And so that event really was the first time, you know, I'm sitting there watching my, my dad laying on a table and I'm, I just, hey, what, where is he? You know, is heaven or hell? Like, how do I know? You know, um, what was his purpose in life? What's my purpose in life? And so I start asking these, I'm wrestling with these deeper questions, um, really, that I've always kind of put to the side. And then right around that same time, um, maybe a month later, Michelle comes to me and says, Brad, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to leave. And so um, I'd say those were a couple boulders that God, what God was throwing on me, got to wake me up. And 
Um, you know, you mentioned the numbers. Like I say, if you asked me about my marriage, I would have said uh, seven or eight. I think we're doing pretty good. Right. And Out of the 10 point scale, 10 being awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And Michelle was at a zero. And so, and I was clueless. And that was a wake clueless. up call. Yeah. I mean, I was just focused on football, you know, NFL stands for not for long. So I was, I was focused on that. And I, and I you was, played 10 years. Yeah. And so not only, I say unknowingly, but I was putting her on the back burner, right? And yeah. so, um, and you were oblivious to where she was at. I was oblivious, yeah. Yeah, and that's why you need to do the date night, guys. <laughs> Just saying. And so, and that's pretty typical with a lot of guys. I hear that all the time. I ask, How, how's your marriage on a scale of one ten, seven, eight? And then I have a separate conversation. Why would you say the marriage is at <laughs> one or two? Yeah, and I'm like, and, and, w- w- they need. There's a, there's a conversation to be had. So you're you're at a low now. So I'm point. panicking, and so I want to fix it. I go to Ken. I, he's the one I go to. And so chaplain I go to Ken, of the team. The chaplain. I'm like, Ken, help, dude. What do I do? Like, fix this. Basically, is what I'm like, what do I do? Um, and so he starts counseling me. He gives me advice and, you know, how to talk to her. And he'll give me some scriptures. And I'm kind of like, okay, um, just, just fix this, you know. And so he, he actually gets me to ask Michelle if, they, if we would, she'd be willing to come over to the house. And so him and his wife, uh, Carrie, um, offered to start counseling us every Monday night yeah. the next few months. And Michelle and I go over there and they're, and they're counseling us. And they're, meanwhile, they're throwing in the, the verses and they're sharing the gospel with us. We don't even know it. And um, so after a few weeks of meeting with them, you know, he starts, he draws a picture and sends us home with a picture of like the gospel. And um, he draws like a throne. And he's like, you see Brad here on the throne? You've been sitting on this throne your whole life. Uh, like, and that's God's spot. And so um, he comes back and starts sharing the gospel with us and, you know, sharing that, Brad, you're a sinner separated from God, you know, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And before I would have been, no way, like, you don't know how good I am. Or have you seen my friends? I'm like, I'm better than them, right? Um, and now at this point, there was, I was, yeah, there's, there's no doubt. Like, there's nothing I'm going to say. You know, the person I love the most was at a zero and I didn't even know it, like, of course. And so, and he shares the good news that Jesus came to live the perfect life for me and died, lived the life I couldn't live and died the death I deserved. And so things begin to change probably pretty quick. Yeah. So in, you know, it was July 15th, 2008 that my dad died. And then it was the second week of November. Michelle and I are in their living room surrendering our lives to the Lord. Hmm. Isn't that cool? Can we celebrate that for a moment? That's awesome. You know, that's, what I love about this message series is hearing how God saves people. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you how God saved a troubled teen. And then last week, you heard Pastor Bob, how God saves a fraternity guy. And um, today, we're hearing about an NFL football player. And, you know, it just highlights to me the role and the importance of sharing the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, look at the, you know, part of the hero in the story is Ken being so faithful to love on you. And uh, it's so important that as a Christian, you share your faith, you open up, you, 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 because it made a world of difference in your life. And that's how the gospel is, is brought forth from generation to generation. Somebody opens up their mouth and shares. So you just may be that lifeline for somebody. So be, be bold, be courageous to do that. 
And it also highlights to me just the importance of community, being involved in a community, because you found relationships there. And so many people in our church, they say they're not going to be a part of a neighborhood group, and they go for season to season and suffering through suffering without, without being connected. And it's, it's hard to do it alone. Life is tough. Don't do it alone. So, Brad, let's talk about life lessons. I think you and I talked the other day. You said kind of number one life lesson is you can have everything, and it's never enough. Why don't you elaborate on that for a minute? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, you know, top 32 in the world at what I do, accomplished everything, I'm riding first class, you know, I've got the success, I've got the, the American dream, you know, the wife, but really at the end of the day, when you go to a funeral or your wife comes to you, like, what's it all worth? Right. Like, it's, it's really meaningless at yeah. the end of the day, you know, um, all those things if you don't have what's important, you know, and so I'm, I'm sure I'm an example, but you've heard hundreds of stories that NFL players or celebrities that reach the top and how happy actually are they? Like, it's an illusion. Christ. It's yeah, a myth. It's, and so so think, when you get Jesus into your life, things begin to take, take root and show you that you were missing something. So you could have everything, but still it's not enough. And so tell us a little bit more in, in your own words on that. Yeah, I mean, success, what I've, I was always chasing success. And success isn't bad in itself, but the... I was raising up as an idol of that was the ultimate thing. And the ultimate thing is, is Jesus. Without him, you're never going to be fulfilled. And so a lot of times what you find is people who are chasing success, they're going to be okay. But then once they get it, now all of a sudden reality hits like, what's next? that's it. Yeah. You know, what's, this is it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's all there is. I think it's a powerful life lesson because in our church, I mean, I know many of you guys, we've got a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of uh, go-getters pushing themselves in education, pushing themselves professionally in all sorts of different realms. And, and then you, when you find that success, is it enough? And I think the reality is, is there's like the Bible talks about that God put eternity in the hearts of, of men. And there's this reality that we're never going to be fulfilled until we have that that relationship in place with Jesus Christ. And that relationship changes everything because through the hard times, that second life lesson that you and I were yeah. talking about for you is finding hope in the hard times. Share with us about the hope that you found in Christ through the hard times. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here today like if it wasn't for those hard times. Like I would have met, I, I don't think I would have ever known God. Like I was too stubborn or too prideful like to ever like want to surrender to God unless you know unless those circumstances happen to me um you'd still be on that throne in a sense yeah i mean um you know one of my favorite verses is Romans 8:28 um god works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose and so you know i can really see the death of my father you know i can look back on it now and see how my life has changed generations are changed of my kids and um, just the people I'm, that have met Jesus because somebody introduced Jesus to me. You know, I can look back. This is a picture of my, my dad's bike that he actually had the accident on, um, and that's in my garage. And so you, you know you're not going to always see how God is working this side of heaven. Um, I, mean, I can see the fruit of it now. You know, it's not always easy at the time to see through the tough times. I mean... God doesn't promise us an easy life. I mean, we're, there's still tough times today, and I still got to hold on to this. Um, hold on to this verse. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, 
I talked to a friend the other day, and uh, he's going through a really hard time. His wife is, uh, has left him, and uh, they're getting a divorce. And then uh, he has several businesses, one that he started, uh, he's trying to find a successor. It's fallen apart. Then he's got another business he sold. He wishes he didn't, and he just feels like he's struck out in life. And I'm sitting there with him the other day, and I'm thinking, I want to quote this Bible verse, Romans 8, 28. But I felt in, the, in that moment, it would just, it's not the right time. Yeah. And so from the moment of the tragedy till the truth is applied, it was a period of years before perhaps this verse actually made sense to you. Yeah. Talk, talk about that just for a minute. So, I mean, I, I was trying to remember when I put this in our house, and I know this was... Um, you know, we didn't buy this house until 2010. So I know it was at least two years before I had it up there um, and it really kind of rooted in me um, and just kind of was something I held on to. So it, yeah, it wasn't necessarily, you know, right away. And if like, somebody spoke that Romans 8.28 passage <laughs> into your life weeks after, how would you have received it? Yeah, probably not. It's probably not the best to share with somebody right at the time as they're going through something, right. you know. Yeah. Um, that's why, you know, it's important to have these truths in your heart as you're going before you go through stuff. But obviously, you know, there's going to be a right time to, to, to have this first, you know, to share this. But usually right at the time is you want to yeah. give a little space. And it takes time for the, the yeah. truth to become to a reality of that. That is true. And so I said it earlier, but, you know, so you believe that perhaps if you didn't go through these tragic events, these tough things where your wife says, we're at a zero, Brad and the loss of your father, you wouldn't be in this place of where you've surrendered. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I don't see how, anyhow, you know, because um, before Michelle come to me, I'm not, I'm still a good person, and, and so why would I need to surrender to God? You know, I've got it taken care of. And so um, it was, that made it, you know, clear for me. It yeah. made it obvious for me, um, kind of both of those things working together that, you know, I don't have it all put together. You know, my dad, who's the hardest working, most persevering rock of the family, and he can't hold his marriage together. Like, what hope is there for me? Mm-hmm. You know, and so without without the love of God, yeah, changing me. Yeah, I think for for my personal testimony is, I I realized I I was in a very similar uh, uh, realm is. I kind of thought I, I was the one I was the one controlling my whole life. And I remember I asked the Lord in prayer, I said, Lord, how come I've never experienced life? And a Bible verse came to my mind. And the, the word said, uh, whoever finds his life must lose it. And whoever loses it for my sake will find it. And I realized in that moment, oh my goodness, I've been finding life on my own terms, apart from God, apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the only way I'm going to find life if I lose it. And I think the key is, is surrender. And you kind of think as a Christian, you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ initially, and then we're good. But there's a daily surrender that goes on when Jesus talks about taking up your cross. There's a surrendering to self. And how can we get a savior if we don't realize that we need, you know, a savior? We need saving. And so God saves. Whom does God save? God saves all those who call upon him, call upon the name of Jesus for salvation, you know. So I think that's a powerful testimony and part of that. Last lesson you talked about was uh, you don't have to compartmentalize kind of your faith and whatnot. Why don't you share about that? Yeah, this was big for me because, I mean, at the time I was like, okay, I idolize football, so sports are bad. 
you know, so I'm not going to put my kids in sports because then they'll idolize football. Obviously, that's not true either. Like, you can redeem. And um, so what I started to finally realize is you could, God wants all of your life. So all of my life is all for Jesus. He wants my job. He wants my hobbies. He wants my sports. He wants my family life. You know, he wants all of it. And, um, you know, like we're saying before, I think our trip down to Mexico, we kind of really, we saw that lived out. And so that's where kind of, you know, like Colossians 3.23 was, became a big verse to me that whatever you do, work hardly into the Lord, not to men. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, like once you go down in, to Mexico, you see their life is just saturated with Christ, all of what they do. And so from, I mean, the coffee shop is gathering of people, you know, relationships and to meet Jesus. The, they have a workout place, you know, where they're gathering people. There's a youth center where they're, they're meeting kids, and that's for Jesus. The, just, the houses are, everything is for Jesus, and so you saw that. So it's hard not to come back home and kind of live your life, and then you're going to put all this work and money traveling down there to share Jesus. And then what about your neighbor, like right next door? Yeah. Yeah. can be very convicting, you know, and so just... So your faith is integrated in your perspective. Is a, and, I, and I think it's, it's a great idea and a message in, in, a, in a politically incorrect world. We're always afraid. I heard a statistic the other day. 60-something Christians say it's important to share your faith, but 55% believe if they shared their faith, they would offend somebody, and therefore they don't want to share their faith. <laughs> so we're afraid to do that, but there's such a need for the life, the Christian life, to be lived out loud in yeah. a, in a, in, and let it, like you said, all of life, all for Jesus. Yeah, so now I'm, you know, I'm a health coach. I'm a high school strength coach. So in the schools, you know, I'm doing fellowship of Christian athletes and trying to live my faith out loud, kind of be set apart like Reggie was for me. Like I saw something different in him. And then I'm like, try to be like Ken when you have opportunities you're actually proclaiming the gospel, you know. Yeah, and Ken was a friend with you for a long time prior to you ever receiving Jesus Christ into your life. And I think that's part of the lesson, too, is for you, those of you who have friends that are without faith in Jesus Christ, is it's a long relationship. I've always done, in in ministry and evangelism, I've always said, I'm going to be your friend regardless if you receive Jesus or not. And just see what happens and pray for God to work in somebody's life. And it oftentimes takes tragic events the more pride or the more proud somebody is, it takes, the bubble has to bust. The world has to flip upside down. You've got to come to a ground zero if you're going to let God rule and reign in your life. You know, any closing words just for, from your life story? It's a powerful story, awesome story. Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of them, but, you know, just really, if you make your, make it your, your faith, if you grow in your faith, you're, you're going to start, it's going to go like to your other, to your family, to your kids. You're going to get outside the walls of this church. You're going to serve. And then really it's going to, God's not holding something back from you like I thought my whole life. Like actually God wants something more for you. And like you're, God wants these blessings for you. And not necessarily like the American dream type blessings, but he wants a relationship with you. And you're never going to regret like surrendering to him. Yeah. Yeah, I think about it when you talked about surrendering and giving your life to Jesus Christ. It's, it is for God's glory, but it's also for our good. Like we, the best life is the Christian life. And in surrender, 
there is such a blessing. There is such a fulfillment, I think, there that we've got to keep reminding ourselves of as believers in that. Well, let me pray for you. I'm so proud, thankful for you. I'm so excited to hear how um, you are uh, being involved in, in meaningful ministry inside uh, your local church and, and through the Mexico missions and then uh, in your business. And I'm just, it's been an honor to spend time with you. And uh, I, isn't this cool? Can we celebrate and say thank you to Brad? Appreciate yeah. you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Brad. And I just pray right now, um, Father, for favor. Uh, for blessing, for encouragement. We pray for protection, um, provision over their family. Uh, thank you, Father, for the, the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit on Brad's life, Lord, that he turned his heart and said, okay, God, I want more of you in my life. Um, we pray for all of us as a church that we would be, uh, respond in the same way and say, okay, um, uh, I'm not where I thought I was at, but God, I want you to take over and work in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brad, so much again, bud. Really appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, in, just, in just a minute, our ushers are going to come forward to receive an offering. And, and uh, may, on your program, you've got uh, an opportunity perhaps to respond. Maybe God worked in your heart and you could just drop it in that offering plate as it comes around and uh, to let us know, but it says that you want, maybe you want to pray to receive Christ or be baptized or recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a number of things, but let me pray for, for you right now and as a church to be encouraged. Maybe God has a story in your life that you want to share and you would want to let me know. And um, maybe we could highlight that. It'd be really cool. Or maybe you're seeking the Lord himself and you're like, I don't know if I, I am a Christian. Let me, let me just pray with you right now. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the salvation stories that we've heard over the last few weeks. Thank you for saving a great multitude of guilty sinners all throughout this city and around the world. Lord, thank you for working in North Valley. And Lord, I pray uh, today for those that may stand here today and say, I don't know. I, I kind of think I was a good person, but to be honest, I don't know if I go to heaven or not. Lord, I pray right now for them to take a bold step of faith and pray a simple prayer like this. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I ask for you to forgive me of my sins. Change my pride into humility. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord. And I want him to have all control over all every area of my life in Jesus name and father I pray for the church as well as just all of us Lord that we would be encouraged and we might be emboldened to share our faith with others and share our story perhaps even at a greater level through this church and throughout our community so that you might be glorified in all things in Jesus name everybody said amen all right well, hey, in just a minute, our ushers are going to come forward to receive an offering. If you made a decision today and just want to let us know, you can check that and drop it in the offering. Uh, 
I just want you to know before we receive the offering, uh, thank you so much for all of you who gave financially during the year-end time. It was incredible. Uh, I want to be able to share more details about your giving to the general fund uh, next week. Details and reports are still coming in. I'll meet with all our, our elder teams and our financial consultants and all that uh, this coming week. And so excited to share with you more news about that uh, next weekend. Um, today, if you would like to help contribute towards um, our Mexico missions partnership, uh, we've got this thing we've called the Hope Offering. Uh, it actually, uh, we make an initial push and the deadline is January 15th. And this goes to help uh, bring hope to those who need it the most. It fuels and funds our local and our global outreach initiatives. And many of you give to that on a regular basis. Uh, but if you'd like to give to that today, uh, we want to make a, a, a contribution to help I-68 and their student center. Um, we're going to continue to go down there and share and show the love of Jesus Christ. And want to encourage you to make that gift uh, today if you'd like to do that, or at least before January 15th. You just need to mark hope offering on your gift when you do that. And then for the rest of us, when uh, if, uh, uh, we're going to receive our, our, our offering, and if you just want to give to the general fund, that fuels ministry. Uh, a couple of weeks, we're coming up on baptisms. And so baptisms is an indication that God is at work. And you need to know when you give towards our general fund, you're fueling a, a local, strong-based ministry that will continue to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. And the gospel goes forward from one generation to another generation and far beyond my lifetime, to Christ be all the glory, that this church would continue to be resourced to get the name and fame of Jesus all throughout the North Valley and all beyond. So together, we can make a great difference. So know ahead of time, your giving is crucial for 2020. Uh, January historically is a record low for churches uh, in July as well. Let it not be so for North Valley. So we're going to continue to worship as we receive our offering. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.